Welcome to the Global Inquirer. I'm your host, Nicholas Mortensen. The Global Inquirer is an undergraduate research podcast that takes a look at case studies to show how global trends are affecting real lives. Today, I'm sitting down with Sarah Rocca, a first-year prospective international relations major to discuss Europe's Nord Stream 2 pipeline and the political, economic, and diplomatic questions it raises. So Sarah, to begin, back in the September NATO summit, President Donald Trump attracted a lot of negative attention because he criticized Germany for being beholden to Russia for its energy needs. So you tell me, is that appropriate? I mean, I've been complaining about this from the time I got in. It should have never been allowed to have happened. But Germany is totally controlled by Russia because they were getting from 60 to 70 percent of their energy from Russia and a new pipeline. And you tell me if that's appropriate, because I think it's not. And I think it's a very bad thing for NATO, and I don't think it should have happened. And this new pipeline, the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, was a big component of that. Can you kind of tell us more about what that's all about? In fact, the president is referring to the new Nord Stream 2 pipeline. It would be running adjacent to the current Nord Stream pipeline in the Baltic Sea. And while it wouldn't create as much as a dependence on Russian energy as the president says it does, it is going to double Germany's gas from Russia. It is not going to be up to 60 to 70 percent of their resources. So, Sarah, can you just give us a big, broad-spectrum look at what the Nord Stream 2 pipeline actually is? Sure. So the Nord Stream 2 pipeline is going to be carrying liquefied natural gas from Russia to Germany. And this is a project that's been discussed about for a few years now and is going to be completed by the beginning of next year, 2019. Its objective is to essentially carry more natural gas from Russia directly to Germany. Now, the issues arise where Russian natural gas gets to Europe typically through the Ukraine, and the Ukraine makes money based off of these tariffs that come in through Russia using its territory uh, to get natural gas to Europe. And with this Nord Stream 2 pipeline, it provides another way in which Russia is bypassing the Ukraine, and the Ukraine uh, has expressed their concerns that Russia is taking advantage of them economically. They're doing this specifically to hurt the Ukraine economically. The reason why Germany is pushing so much to have another pipeline that's carrying natural gas from Russia uh, is they're trying to move away from different forms of energy like coal and nuclear energy. And I actually had an interesting conversation with Rick Nowick from the Washington Post, and he had an interesting take on how Germany might be actually contradicting themselves with this pipeline. Germany has been quite uh, obsessed with trying to um, mitigate the effects of climate change to um, decrease its emissions uh, and and so on. But at the same time, it decided after the Fukushima nuclear power um, incident, uh, power plant incident, to uh, abandon nuclear energy. And nuclear energy is quite quite risky, but at the same time, it doesn't emit, um, you know, it's, it's not as polluting as, for instance, coal or other sources. And that has meant um, that you have this paradox where you're in one of the nations that care most about um, the environment, but at the same time, in fact, emissions are not decreasing. They're, in fact, um, uh, I think going up. And and that's a real problem. So I think that's, that's one of the key points of criticism uh, against Germany from from northern European countries uh, when it comes to when it comes to that climate argument. So this seems to be a really big new development. But what would this mean for the European energy market? Right. So it would have a slight impact on the rest of Europe. But I think Mr. Nowak uh, explains this 
pretty well during our interview. Well, it sort of depends on what's going to happen in terms of how much gas Russia is going to export uh, to to Europe. Is it is it going to is it going to remain on a stable level or not? Um, a lot of the gas currently coming in from Eastern European routes could be rerouted through uh, Nord Stream two. Um, but you also have to keep in mind that, in fact, demand for natural gas uh, or gas in general is um, predicted to increase in, in Europe over the next few years, while uh, inner European resources are, are going down. So um, a lot of the natural gas in Europe so far came from countries like Norway, uh, Britain, um, Dutch um, oil fields, um, gas fields. Um and those those resources are increasingly depleted. So so you do have um, certainly um, a problem there, uh, and the Russians are offering to fill that by exporting more gas. So if they obviously um, you know increase their volume, um, you'll also need more routes again to to get that into Europe. Um, but that's really hard to predict what's going to happen and whether. Um, whether this is going to fully substitute um, the the Eastern European route, I don't I don't think so. But um, that that is really hard to predict, to be honest. So, Sarah, you mentioned that Ukraine was unhappy with the pipeline mainly because of economic reasons. That you have this new pipeline that bypasses their territory, so that's lost revenues. Are there any other risks here? Have Russia and Ukraine had conflicts over gas pipelines or gas energy resources before? Yes, in fact, they have. Twice before, Russia has actually cut off natural gas to the Ukraine. The Russians citing that the Ukraine had accumulated a lot of debt and had owed the Russians money for the natural gas, while the Ukraine is citing a, a quote directly from the prime minister of the Ukraine, quote, this is not about gas, it's about the general plan for the destruction of the Ukraine. So you see there are two very different opinions here on the side of Russia and the Ukraine. This first instance occurred in 2009, where Russia and the Ukraine failed to agree on the price of Russian gas to the Ukraine and how the tariffs should be regulated, along with the debt from the Ukraine. And this had a really dramatic humanitarian effect because once Russia cut off gas January 1st in 2009, people lost gas to their homes. People were freezing in the middle of winter. And so the Ukraine started siphoning off gas that was running through the Ukraine, but was aimed to go to other European countries such as Germany. And once Russia learned that they were siphoning off this gas, they cut off gas to the rest of Europe completely. In the next few days, a 10-year plan was signed that solved all the problems expressed with the tariffs and the cost of gas to the Ukraine. And the fact that the 10-year plan was signed in 2009 is interesting because the Nord Stream 2 pipeline is supposed to be completed by the beginning of 2019 when that deal is supposed to expire. So it'll be interesting to see how those issues play out. The second instance where Russia cut off natural gas to the Ukraine happened in 2014, and this was interesting timing uh, in lieu of the annexation of Crimea by Russia. Obviously, both countries were in acting quite hostile towards each other, and as the Ukraine was openly criticizing Russia for the annexation of Crimea, Russia cut off gas to the Ukraine. They also cited that the Ukraine had accumulated a lot of debt, as previously mentioned. The resolution to that issue, the Ukraine made two payments within the next year to pay off majority of their debts to Russia, but the Ukraine has still expressed concern that 
Russia's motives are not economic, rather they're political. Don't these two cases actually vindicate Trump's fears that at any point Russia could seriously interfere with Germany's energy resources just by cutting off access to pipelines? Or is there another motive here with Trump's criticisms? Right. I mean, there is a risk when you look at the history behind it, but it it is unlikely that uh, Russia would essentially go after a nation backed by NATO and the EU. And during our interview, Mr. Nowak had some comments about this issue. Yeah, I mean, th- th- there were a number of issues with, with Trump's um, statement in, in this regard. Um, I, I think that's overly dramatized. But at the same time, um, he does have a point, right? I mean, Germany does rely on natural gas coming from Russia more than, than other countries, and that's that's a fact. The, the question is, to what extent it's really a threat? And I think... The, the Germans have always said, you know, Russia wouldn't have an interest in stopping gas exports to Germany because they make a lot of money with that. Um, the, the question is, um, and that's sort of a new um, calculus, a new, new new question that's arisen after the 2014 annexation of Crimea by Russia. Would Russia ever invade, um, you know, <laughs> a country like Germany or, or other European Union member states or a NATO uh, member state, and and then decide to to stop those exports? Um, I think in the the risk is rather low. At least that's what um, German experts have have analyzed, and the reason is because there are. Um, storage sites in Europe and it wouldn't so you wouldn't run out of uh, of natural gas within days um this would be more of a month long um issue in the end so you wouldn't be able to win a war within you know <laughs> a few days just because you stop exports um so i think that's the reason why the the overall feeling here in Europe is that Yes, um, Germany does rely quite heavily on Russian gas, but it's not as much of a risk as Mr. Trump is portraying it as. And in fact, the reason why he might be um, portraying it in such uh, such a threatening way um, is that he wants to support his own uh, LNG industry and boost LNG exports to Europe. And and that's a very common assessment uh, in Germany of, of why he's been... Um, making those remarks. Although Trump seems to be expressing concern for NATO and the alliance, uh, he actually might have some background interests in promoting the U.S. natural gas industry and uh, encouraging Germany to think more about taking natural gas from the United States rather than from Russia. Well, the thing is, why wouldn't Germany do this? Why would he not buy energy from a close ally? Well, there's there's a clear geographic difference. Obviously, Russia is closer to Germany, so it's easier to build a pipeline that would get natural gas to uh, Germany in a more efficient way. It also is more cost effective with the shorter distance for Germany. And it's simply that these international debates aren't as simple as taking resources from your ally rather than a country who isn't. Mr. Nowak also commented about this. A geographic element that just means you can't um, it, it is quite a big distance. It takes weeks um, to get liquefied natural gas to Europe from the U.S. It also is much more expensive uh, than than the gas that's coming from, from Russia, even though uh, Russia has frequently been accused of kind of driving up um, its prices 
artificially, um, but at the same time, it's ch- it's still cheaper than um, the LNG uh, Europe would be getting from from the US. And it is somewhat um, it does take some some effort to to set up terminals, for instance, to set up port terminals that would be able to um, where you would be able to, um, to to receive that LNG from from ships, for instance. Um, I think Angela Merkel has has recently agreed to set up such a terminal that is sort of a concession step into um, the direction of Mr. Trump. And that was certainly also meant to take some of the pressure out of um, out of that whole situation um, Trump has created by, as you described, calling Trump, uh, calling calling Germany, sorry, um, captive to, to Russia. Um, that's certainly, uh, I mean, Angela Merkel grew up in the uh, former uh, GDR, Soviet-controlled territory. Um, she knows what it looks like to be uh, really a captive of Russia, I think. And 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 she she's been trying to make a point that this isn't the case. And you know she's willing to to talk to Trump about more LNG exports, um, but that is meant to diversify um, Germany's energy sources and not to replace or completely substitute Russian um, gas exports. So this pipeline is attracting a lot of negative attention from the United States as well as other Eastern European nations, and it entails a deal with a nation that has been an adversary to Western Europe and Germany for quite a number of years now. Why is Germany doing this? What's in it for them? That's an interesting question. I actually got the opportunity to talk to Mr. Nowak about this. I think there's quite a lot of support for that pipeline. And one of the reasons for that is um, it, is because there is a lot of support for uh, stronger ties to Russia within Germany. Um, a lot of Americans aren't aware of that, but uh, the Social Democratic Party, um, so sort of the opposition to Angela Merkel's um, conservative party, um, has always been rather pro-Russian in, in its approach. That doesn't mean they haven't been condemning um, the annexation or anything. Well, they, in fact, have. But they've always had a blind spot, in a way, for 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 Vladimir Putin and have tried to um, to boost ties. And and Merkel has kind of, you know, she was given that heritage from her predecessor, but she hasn't intervened and and circled back and said, no, we're not going to build that pipeline. So I think there's quite a lot of um, support for that pipeline, at least in the German political, um, in the yeah, in, in, in Parliament, uh, but also probably uh, among uh, among Germans themselves. Another reason why this pipeline is so popular in Germany is that they've used this kind of gas diplomacy before. They've used it previously in, in the Cold War to grow closer to Russia to kind of foster good relations. I think the answer depends on whom you're listening to and where you're listening. Um, I think if you listen to um, to people discussing this in, in Eastern Europe, certainly they would argue um, Germany is, in fact, um, not justified in doing it. In fact, it is... Um, Violating uh, European agreements to um, to decrease its reliance on on Russian gas, but in Germany there is a feeling, and there there has been for for decades that um, if you want to uh, if you want to deal with with Russia, you need to approach it in a in in a sensitive way, and that 
sensitive way has, for instance, um, even during the Cold War, when uh, <laughs> the Soviet Union still existed, always um, also included, for instance, trading uh, gas and kind of building economic bridges and uh, building at least some degree of trust, even though uh, people uh, people very much hated each other at the time. And I think that's a, that's a sentiment that's um, that's prevailed at least in Germany, and that's quite important when it comes to when it comes to this topic because people here will say, well, we have to, we can't just cut all ties with Russia, even though you know um, we we all of course are aware that uh, Russia might be using gas uh, for political reasons, might be um, might be pressuring Ukraine into things it doesn't want to do, but at the same time, um, this is our strategy and this is what we want to do. And on the flip side of that, Russia and Germany have had a pretty tumultuous relationship for most of the 20th century uh, to start, as well as kind of going into the 21st century. Why has Russia been so willing to work with Germany on this pipeline? Right. Well, what isn't as talked about as much as Germany's dependent on Russia is actually Russia's dependency on the European natural gas energy market. Well, they're, um, I would say, extremely reliant on it because um, the, the the Russian economy has been going down for some time now as a result of the um also as a result of the sanctions um there are also some broader problems within the russian economy um but the the key impact was that um the economy hasn't been doing too well in 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 russia and that's why russia has been trying to diversify its its export markets as well so of course they've been trying to um keep their ties to Europe, but they've also been looking beyond that. So they've tried to open new markets in Asia, um, build pipelines or connections to to China, to, to other countries. Um, and I think that's a that's another key um, key uh, factor or key development to look to look out for. So we just heard about a lot of the arguments against pipeline being political in nature, but you also just said that this initiative is actually fairly popular in Germany and Russia isn't really a free enough society to have disagreements over this politically. So this kind of leads us with Eastern Europe. What, what do the Eastern Europeans think about this pipeline? So Eastern Europe's arguments against the pipeline, separate from the Ukraine's economic concern that the lack of these tariffs would be damaging to their economy, their concerns is that Russia is going to use this as a political tool to create negative political issues for countries in Eastern Europe, such as the Ukraine and Poland. And maybe that's also, yeah, maybe that's also because of, of different um, Cold War experiences, of, of course, in Eastern and Central Europe. Those those nations were part of, um, of the Soviet Union. Um, and clearly, there is a lot of anger, a lot of um, still, in in a lot of those countries, a lot of anger towards Russia, towards the Soviet Union. So, no no understanding for for that um, Western German approach that that existed at the time, and that that might explain some of those divisions today. In fact, there's a clear history of having these issues between Russia and Eastern Europe, as seen in the Cold War. I guess my question is that. Their fears that Russia is going to marginalize them or kind of bring back the Iron Curtain or whatever else they want to call it. Are those fears overblown or is there, is there some truth to them? Is Russia actually going to be able to effectively marginalize Eastern Europe through this pipeline? Well, we see some validity to that risk, um, especially since, as we talked about previously, Russia has cut off gas to the Ukraine 
two times. And so there there is a legitimate risk there. However, Russia does need the natural gas market uh, to keep their economy afloat as well. So the risks, I think, as expressed by the Ukraine have some legitimacy because it's happened in the past. Uh, however, I don't think it'll be detrimental to their economy or their sovereignty. The other question is that even going beyond Eastern Europe, but the entire region, is this pipeline going to make Europe way too dependent on Russian energy resources? So, yes, although this pipeline is a sign of increased dependency on Russia for Europe's natural gas, uh, it won't create such a dramatic dependency. I got a chance to talk to Mr. Nowak about this as well. Um, I'm not I'm not so sure that other nations would become a lot more dependent. In fact, when you look at uh, countries like Lithuania, um, Estonia, Poland, they're all building LNG port terminals to get more uh, American LNG, but also LNG from other uh, destinations um, to to their to their continent. I think the key problem to them isn't isn't really that, you know, that pipeline would increase their own dependency because it's Russian gas, no matter whether it comes through Ukraine or through the Baltic Sea. Um, their problem is that um, they fear that the new route would make um, Ukraine and other parts of Eastern Central Europe more vulnerable to Russian interference. So getting away from the political issues, what is going to be the environmental impact of this pipeline? You know, in the United States, we had the Keystone Pipeline, which attracted a lot of negative attention because there's a fear that these pipelines break, these pipelines cause environmental damage, and they pose other risks for the near nearby environment. Have there been similar arguments levied against the Nord Stream 2 pipeline? Absolutely. Uh, rather, these arguments are coming from Northern European countries, opposed to the countries that we have been talking about in Western and Eastern Europe. In order for the pipeline to run through the Baltic Sea, it needs to be approved by five different countries, Germany, Russia, Finland, Sweden, and Denmark, uh, because it will run through their territorial waters in the Baltic Sea. Denmark is the only country out of the five that hasn't submitted their environmental report of approval. Uh, however, the project is already well underway and will be constructed. The environmental risk that they're citing um, is the transportation of hydrocarbons that exists in the liquefied form of natural gas that will be running through the pipeline, harming life in the Baltic Sea with construction. Now, there have been environmental reports that saying plant, bacteria, uh, and animal species will have minor to negligible uh, risk. However, there is a, quote, moderate risk to the ring seal, um, which is unfortunate to one of our world's most adorable creatures. And a third and rather interesting risk is that there's still remaining mines from World War II in the Baltic Sea. So, quote, when necessary, the construction team will attempt to avoid these mines in the seabed of the Baltic Sea. So you're seeing environmental concerns both to the cutest species in the Baltics as well as explosive concerns um, regarding the construction of the pipeline. Have these been enough to prompt any nation to seriously reconsider their permission of having this pipeline constructed in their territory? Although these environmental issues are significant and have been researched by multiple nations, their primary motive to continue with this project is what they're calling, quote, the zero alternative idea, uh, which is essentially that there are clear immediate environmental impacts and other socioeconomic impacts, but it is a necessary evil to endure these immediate 
relatively negative impacts in order to get a cleaner form of energy to Europe. And a cleaner form of energy meaning moving away from coal and nuclear forms of energy and to natural gas. Why are they backing away from nuclear energy when most science shows these days that it's one of the most efficient and cleaner sources that you can use? As mentioned previously by Mr. Nowick, the Fukushima plan uh, by Germany has made uh, politicians in Germany a little bit wary of using nuclear energy, and they're trying to move away from that. Although it is a cleaner form of energy, it is significantly more risky. And those risks is why Germany has been primarily relying on coal resources. Now, coal being one of the more dirtier forms of energy available, they're trying to reduce their coal emissions by moving towards natural gas. And this pipeline is evident of that. So there's the idea that, yes, there's some environmental risks here, but ultimately there's no other feasible alternative. It's either build this pipeline or keep on coal resources, which is going to create more emissions in the long run anyway. Right. According to Germany and its supporters, it's not that there is no other alternative, is that this is the best option out of all the options. So you said it's the best option, which means there's really no sense in discussing really other alternatives or how to defeat this pipeline per se. But the question is, where do we go from here? I got a chance to talk uh, to Mr. Noak about the issue of possibly creating legislation to regulate how much gas could be coming from Russia to ease concerns on the United States side, or possibly negotiate having some natural gas still run through the Ukraine to suppress some of the issues on the Eastern European side of things well i mean if you if you had guidelines like that um first of all it wouldn't be uh, nato it would probably be the european union uh, that would be involved in those efforts um but it it wouldn't really be up to russia in this case right um i mean russia does have some long-standing contracts but at the same time um it it has it ultimately is a client in this case as well. Um, and if there were uh, regulations, um, if there was legislation that would stop those exports, then um, Russia wouldn't really be able to to do much about it, to be honest. So you're seeing a lot of difficulties with, with regulation, but what if the United States just sanctioned the pipeline? Wouldn't that be a pretty easy solution to the problem? Right. And that is uh, a solution that has been investigated by the United States Congress before the Nord Stream 2 pipeline was as solidified of a plan. And Mr. Nowak had some interesting comments about this issue as well. Sure. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you're referring to the sanctions um, the, that were threatened against um, Nord Stream 2 as a as a project by the U.S. and that was one consideration, one threat uh, earlier this year. Um, I think that would be seen as a as a as a massive um, American interference in, in European um, politics. To be honest, um, it, it did cause quite some outrage, um, and it. Um, it matched the pattern we've seen emerge, for instance, after the Iran sanctions were reimposed, um, where Europe um, refused to um, also withdraw from the deal and instead uh, said, you know, this is um, this is our business and we're going to protect our businesses um, from U.S. sanctions. And I'm I think you would see a similar response in this case, um, even though, of course, in this case you would have a more divided Europe where Germany would try to 
protect its um, enterprises uh, from from any threat of U.S. sanctions, if that ever applied. I mean, we never saw the details of that. Um, whereas in, in Eastern Europe, you would probably have some support, um, you know, uh, for for such measures. So essentially what we're seeing here is a pipeline that kind of falls out of America's control, or at least a policy that's led by the United States, because it's Germany kind of striking out and say, we've tried this strategy in the past of bringing ourselves energy-wise closer to Russia, and we're going to try it again. And the United States might not be happy about it, Ukraine might not be happy about it, and other European nations might be lukewarm on the concept. This seems to be a policy or an initiative that kind of falls out of the broad spectrum America versus Russia dichotomy power balance that we usually look at. This is something different. This is something new. It's a lot harder for the United States to control that. And whether it's not really a bad thing, it's not really a good thing. It's just what's happening at this point. It's necessity. Absolutely. An interesting way to take on it is when I asked Mr. Nowak, you know, if this is an overall positive or overall negative, uh, his response was essentially, it depends on who you're talking to. But I think a big takeaway from this Nord Stream 2 pipeline is the German representative's response to Trump's comments that Germany is being held captive to Russia. And uh, his response was that Germany will not be held captive to anyone, whether that be Russia or the United States. So I think the issues here um, are about global concerns with a private negotiation between Germany and Russia. So I think whether good or bad, we're going to see the ramifications pretty soon. And that's all we have for this week. Thank you to Sarah Rocka for sitting down with me, and thank you to Rick Noah for interviewing with us. If you want more of the Global Inquirer in your life, be sure to follow us on SoundCloud and like us on Facebook. And be sure to tune in next week when I sit down with Balthazar to talk about pollution in the Pacific. See you next week.